Welcome to In Social Work, the podcast series of the University at Buffalo School of Social Work at www.insocialwork.org. We're glad you could join us today. The purpose of In Social Work is to engage practitioners and researchers in lifelong learning and to promote research to practice and practice to research. We're In Social Work. Hello, I'm Charles Sims, one of your hosts of In Social Work. I'd like to take a moment to address you, our listeners. Thanks for downloading more than 400,000 of our podcasts. We'd like to know what you think of them. Please take a couple of minutes to tell us what you like or don't like about the podcast. If you're an educator and you're using our podcast in your courses, how are you using them in your teaching? If you are a professional practitioner, how have the podcast influenced your work? We would also like to know what you'd like to see us do next. Please go to our website at www.insocialwork.org and click the Contact Us tab. We look forward to hearing from you. Again, thanks for listening. Care, comfort, compassion, dignity. These are words often used in descriptions of hospice. The National Hospice and Palliative Care Organization reported that in 2011, over a million and a half people utilized hospice services in the United States. The report found that at least eight out of 10 people utilizing these services were white. However, only about eight and a half percent were African American. Further, a study highlighted by today's guests found that just 2% of the hospice staff and 1% of hospice volunteers were African American. Dr. Donna Reese is a former hospice social worker who has conducted research on hospice since 1994. Dr. Reese is an associate professor of social work at Southern Illinois University School of Social Work. Her professional practice also includes work in child welfare and residential treatment for children, domestic violence, emergency room social work, and private mental health practice. However, it was her work in hospice that inspired her to earn a doctorate and move to researching the variables that influence hospice social work outcomes. This work has included the development of the social work assessment tool. Dr. Reese has previously been a member of the social work faculty at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign, the University of North Dakota, and the University of Arkansas at Fayetteville where she also served as a faculty member in the Interdisciplinary Public Policy PhD program. She has authored a number of journal articles and book chapters on the subject of hospice and professional social work practice in hospice. Dr. Reese has served as the leader of the social work section of the National Hospice and Palliative Care Organization and a health disparities scholar at the National Institutes of Health. She was the founder of the Spirituality Symposium at the Council of Social Work Education and was a member of the first board of directors of the Society of Spirituality and Social Work. In this podcast, Dr. Reese will discuss variables that seem to influence African-American hospice use. 
She also talks about her work to increase the number of African-American MSW students in hospice placement and offers her thoughts on what must be done to increase the number of African-American social work professionals working in the hospice environment. Dr. Reese believes that this can be another step towards increasing the use of hospice services by African-Americans. Our guest was interviewed by Dr. Adjawa Robinson, Assistant Professor at the UB School of Social Work. This is Adjawa Robinson, Assistant Professor at the University at Buffalo School of Social Work. And my guest today is Dr. Donna Reese, Associate Professor at the School of Social Work at Southern Illinois University. Thanks for joining us today, Dr. Reese. My pleasure. What we'll be talking about today is your work called A Friendly Face, Addressing Barriers to Hospice Care for African-American Clients by Hiring African-American Social Workers. I wonder, before we start talking about your latest research, if you could say a little bit about what you think is unique about hospice social work. There's school social work, there's medical social work. You worked as a hospice social worker for several years, and you've recently written a book about hospice social work. Is that correct? That's right. Well, what's unique about it? Well, of course, the field of medical social work in general is becoming more and more important as the baby boomer generation ages, because as we get older, we're more likely to need medical care. And so that's becoming an important field. And then hospice social work is a specific area within medical social work that is unique because it's working purposely with people who are terminally ill and helping them adjust and helping their families adjust and helping the experience of dying to be a positive one, which sounds crazy if you haven't thought about it, but it can actually be an awe-inspiring experience, which actually is what inspired me to go back to school and do research in this area because I was so amazed by my experience as a hospice social worker, just observing what people experience at this time of their life. And I gather that in your experience, you hadn't seen a lot of African-American clients utilizing hospice, so your research went in that direction into investigating why that might be? Exactly. I was inspired by my work as a social worker in hospice to go back and get my PhD to do research in this area. And as I was doing my dissertation, the first thing I noticed was that the African-American patients that they had there in hospice were young and had AIDS. And this was back in the early 90s, well, late 80s when AIDS was a terminal illness, more so than today, because now we have better treatment. But the patients they had there were very different from the general African-American population. So I started out there to try to find out why. You recently conducted a national study. Can you tell us a little bit about that? You discovered some reasons why. Yes, well, actually I've done a lot of different studies trying to find out why there were so few African-American patients in hospice, and I found out about a lot of barriers for reasons why they're not there in hospice. And one of the barriers was the lack of African-American staff, and because the staff in hospice is almost entirely white, 
there, I did a national study that found that only 2% of the staff was African-American and only 1% of the volunteers in 207 hospices that I studied nationally. And so this study that we'll be talking about today was exploring reasons why African-American social work students do not want to work in hospice. <laughs> so, Because one of the barriers to having African-American staff is lack of applications. So that was the focus of this study, was to ask them, would they consider working in hospice and why and why not? So tell us a little bit more about that study. What did you do and what did you ask, how did you do it, and what did you find out? Okay. Well, in this study, we interviewed 10 female African-American MSW students, and we conducted some qualitative interviews. We just asked them open-ended questions about why they think there's so few African-American patients in hospice, and would they work in hospice or not, and some of the, well, I can tell you the major themes and the sub-themes that we found. Reasons for the overall lack of diversity in hospice. One major theme was hospice philosophy reflects the dominant Caucasian cultural values. And these differ from traditional African-American cultural values and beliefs, including the hospice philosophy acceptance of terminality. There is a, in traditional African-American culture, there's a preference to pray for a miracle. There's a belief that God will save the patient. And so to say, yes, I accept that I'm dying, I know that I'm dying, could be seen very often as a lack of faith. So there was a difference there between traditional African-American views and the hospice philosophy. And then there's another barrier based on a history of mistreatment by the white healthcare system in America. There's a fear that the white hospice staff would not be providing all the curative care that's available. So African Americans, because of the fear of the white healthcare system, and it literally is white, they would prefer curative care over letting these white people say to them, here, sign this, do not resuscitate order, and accept that you're dying. That there's Because of a history of mistreatment, there's a fear there. So that would be a reason for lack of diversity in hospice in terms of patients. I want to comment on both those things you just said. First, about the distrust. There have been lots of research that sort of validates that the distrust of the medical system, in terms of the Institute of Medicine, given two patients with the same profile, the African American would probably not get the treatment that they should versus the white patient. So there's a lot of work that the medical community has to do to reestablish trust, or I'm not quite sure how to say that, but to reestablish some credibility that they'll treat everyone equally. And then when you were talking about the difference in values between praying for a miracle and accepting death, I could see how that would be very, would put people off. Here you are at the end of your life when the core things that really matter to you are there in stark relief. And to say that I'm just going to let go when it's not how you believed 
your whole life. I can see how that would be a real a crisis or a struggle for an African-American client who subscribes to that belief system. Yes, and I think the hospices can respond to that in a culturally competent way and just be open to the idea that a miracle may occur and the idea that it's now in God's hands, which is real consistent with traditional African-American beliefs. Of course, there's great diversity among African-Americans, but the traditional cult Christian belief would be, thank you, God, for performing this miracle in our patient's life, in our loved one's life. And they would think that it was in God's hands, not in the doctor's hands to begin with. And so I think that hospice staff can respect that and say, yes, miracles do occur, which they do. People recover when they're not expected to recover. And just say that it's in God's hands, and meanwhile we'll focus on good quality of life and offering support to the patient and family. And also the fact that God might be calling them home. The notion of homecoming is part of the African-American tradition. If you go to a funeral, you hear the preacher say, God called them home. Everybody accepts that, accepts that, and they celebrate that. That's right. It's a celebration. We loved you, but God loved you more. Absolutely right. And I've seen a case study of an African-American family that was saying, thank you, God, for performing a miracle for our loved one, but then was able to change that to, God, we don't understand your will, but if it be your will to take Sister Frances, we pray you take her quickly and without pain. So that perspective can change, and it's focused on God's will. Okay. So you were going through the different barriers. So we talked about two of those barriers. Yeah, that was the reasons for the overall lack of diversity in hospice. Those were the major themes in this study with these MSW students. And the next part of the data is reasons for the lack of African-American staff in hospice. One was just a lack of interest in the field, and that you find that with anybody. That may not be their interest. But the rest of the reasons given may be seen as related to African-American cultural and religious beliefs based on my previous research. First is discomfort regarding the topic of dying. Now, I know everybody has that as well, but I've seen some specific taboos within African-American culture in discussing death and dying. And then also lack of knowledge about the field that may be particularly the case in the African-American community because of lack of outreach by hospices. And then another one, a participant thought that hospice is not oriented toward employing African-Americans. So that could mean that there's no deliberate effort being made to recruit African-American staff, and it could also imply racism on the part of hospices. The final reason that African-American social workers are not interested in working in hospice is the lack of African-American patients in hospice. And we had participants saying, I want to work with my own people. So part of their reasons for becoming a social worker may be they want to work with their own people and help their own people. So that's a circular problem. There's no African-American patients in hospice because there's no African-American staff, but the staff do not want to work there because there's no African-American patients in hospice. 
And so the next part of the data was we asked why are there a lack of African-American patients in hospice, and they said the lack of African-American workers leads to the lack of African-American patients. So again, it's a circular problem. So what's the solution? Well, we have got some ideas, and there's some things that we've tried. Now, one thing I think this study points out is the importance of addressing hospice and social work education so that MSW students know about hospice and know about this as a possible career path. Secondly, it seems that community outreach by hospices is the going to be the key solution to this, that if you have to recruit patients and staff at the same time, then you can do it by connecting with the community. And I think it's very helpful if the university gets involved, like the local school of social work. And so that is what we did here in this community. We implemented a university-community hospice partnership in a participatory action research project. And so we had one hospice involved, and then we connected with diverse community leaders, African-American community leaders, several of their pastors in local churches because the pastors are the leaders of the traditional African-American community. And then we also had some leading professionals in the community on our team. So we developed a team and met and planned this project, and it included a field placement. We placed some MSW students in this hospice, and we wanted it to be multicultural, so we didn't restrict it to only African-American students because we didn't know whether they would feel comfortable if they would be like the only African-Americans there and they were just students. So we had some white students as well. We were open to any cultural group, but we definitely wanted some African-Americans. And then when they were there, they provided cultural competence training to the staff, community outreach and public education sessions, direct service to clients there in the hospice, including a couple African-American clients that they had. And that gave the hospice the opportunity to hire them after graduation. Unfortunately, we're very disappointed that none of these students were hired after graduation. The hospice said they didn't have any openings. Now, I think that was a mistake. If I was the director, I would have created some positions there. So that didn't happen in this project. I think that that's a way to definitely recruit some African-American staff. But we found some success with this project in terms of we did see that six new African-American hospice volunteers signed up, two new African-American patients, and we know that's only two, but we were told by one of the pastors on our team that they definitely signed up for hospice as a result of this project. And we also saw significant differences in the people after our public information session. Well, we did a pretest before our presentation and after, and we found that knowledge and attitudes about hospice were significantly different from pretest to post-test with the local people in the community. And then we also saw significant differences in the cultural competence scores of the staff in the hospice. So we did signs of success. And then I also wanted to note that in a national survey that I did of hospice directors, they also had a couple more very valuable recommendations. 
they suggested that hospices provide support for minority staff in seeking higher degrees and possibly if they got a scholarship they would have an obligation to work in the hospice after graduation. And then another suggestion, hospices could provide outreach to professional schools to recruit minority healthcare staff. Those both sound like excellent suggestions. I thought so too. So I think that if we really make a deliberate effort that we can change the situation. I think it's very important to change because I did find an, another study that I interviewed caregivers of terminally ill patients who had had hospice care and compared their responses to a group of caregivers of African-American patients who had not had hospice care. And one group had hospice care, one group did not. And I saw that the African-American patients and caregivers in hospice were far more satisfied than the ones that did not have hospice. So I think it's very important to keep trying to address this, the barriers that we're finding to care for African-Americans. Did you find any regional differences when you did any of your national studies in terms of the number of volunteers or staff or even African-American users or hospice? You know, no, that's a very interesting research question. I was not able to access that kind of data, and I think that would be very interesting. Then we could provide that information, and if there are regions that are particularly having a problem, then they could be aware of that. Yeah, it's because I would think that in areas that had higher concentrations of African-American people, that there might be a difference there, but perhaps there isn't. That would be very interesting to find out. And also, people that are very successful in working with African-American people, I would like to know their secrets, what they're doing right. Well, there's a church in Buffalo you might want to contact. <laughs> there's a hospice associated with one of the African-American churches here. So I imagine they could give you some good information I don't know for certain, but I think it is nonetheless underutilized. I don't know what kind of outreach has gone on with other churches beyond the one that is officially affiliated with the hospice, but yeah. So those are some very interesting research questions, and it brings something else to mind that NIH has pointed out that there's some evidence that if you compare white patients in hospice to African-American patients in hospice, that the African-American patients are less satisfied with the care they receive in hospice. Now, I haven't found that in my research because they've been very pleased when they get hospice services, but some studies have found that. And I am thinking that the reason for that may still be the lack of African-American staff because there's just a tendency that Columbus points out that if you're from a different culture, you may just naturally develop policies and ways of practice that reflect your own cultural perspective, and you're not as sensitive to a different cultural perspective. So it's very important to have diverse staff. Yes, and there's been lots of research, or it seems to be trending, that uh, their university community partnerships are developing for targeting different issues, just 
for that purpose because to bring in that perspective of the cultural competence piece into designing interventions so that they will be accessible, acceptable, and culturally relevant. Yeah, and it's very empowering too, of course, to involve the community as partners. So that's the whole idea of participatory action research. We're developing a partnership and having equal input from the people who know what the problem is and how to address it. Now, is that partnership still ongoing with your university and one of the hospice locations in southern Illinois? No, that was a research study we did, and that has now ended. But that's a good question to go back and check whether any continuing effects are still in existence there. Certainly, as you've mentioned, there's fewer African-American staff and less interest among African-American social work students. But how is it in general in terms of the interest among social work students in work in hospice? I haven't conducted research on that, but I'm assuming that some of the same barriers would exist, that maybe they're not familiar with hospice or they're uncomfortable with the idea of the topic of death and dying, then I think that some of the reasons that the African-American students gave for not wanting to work in hospice are specifically more likely for them because of their cultural perspective. So what do you think policymakers should do, researchers should do, and social work educators should do? Okay, as far as policy, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services which is the Medicare organization, just passed a requirement that hospices show that they have made attempts toward cultural competence. Now, that is groundbreaking. That has never happened before, that there was such a requirement. However, I consider that very, very weak and inadequate to just require them to show that they've made an attempt toward cultural competence. I would think that they should be required to demonstrate cultural competence, and they should be required to demonstrate outreach efforts. When I surveyed directors nationally, and they said that they didn't have funding for community outreach. To me, I presented this to an audience at the National Hospice and Palliative Care Organization Conference one year, and somebody raised their hand, and they said, lack of funding or lack of budgeting. And I thought that was a key point, that there is lack of budgeting. And so I think that they probably need to be required to do that because we tend to have a for-profit healthcare system. I guess I could go on and on about that, but I won't. And, of course, many hospices are not at all for-profit, and they provide free care to those who don't have health insurance. So I'm not blaming the hospice you know, for being really bad in this area, but Still, their budgeting seems to be focused more on billable services. They send somebody out and they can then bill for that service and rather than looking at the quality of the care provided in a more broader sense and the well-being of their community. I think probably they need to be required to do community outreach and demonstrate cultural competence, not just demonstrate attempts at cultural competence. Yeah, it seems that there really needs to be someone inside the organization with a little sway that understands 
the importance of this issue and believes that it's good all around, good for folks in need of care as well as hospice organizations to put effort, to put budgeting in this direction. And perhaps this new mandate will spur them on a bit. But again, it goes back to what you were finding, that there's not enough staff because you need more people in the pipeline to rise to the ranks to reflect that value and bring it that issue to the table. Yeah, and one key point that I found in in terms of connecting with the African American community is to put their pastors on your board of directors. And then you've got people at the top that will influence that process just like you're talking about. And probably somebody that understands I understand, I guess, from my own personal experience, but to have like true in-depth understanding, you need to partner with African Americans. So you need them on your staff and you need them on your board of directors. Exactly. So what should researchers do based on what you found? What should happen next? Or what are you going to do next? My next step that I'm going to be involved in is further testing of the social work assessment tool that measures social work outcomes. A number of years ago, the social worker section of the National Hospice and Palliative Care Organization, I was the section leader at that time, we developed a social work outcomes measure called the social work assessment tool. And that was the first and still is the only measure of social work outcomes in hospice that is based on social work research about what issues social workers should be addressing and are addressing in hospice and what outcomes we should be focusing on for clients. And so we developed and tested that tool and we're going to be looking, doing a new study now to look at how widely this tool is being used nationally and what people's experience is with it, how it's benefiting them, if there's ways that they think it should be changed in any way. So we'll be doing some further investigation about the use of that tool and possibly advocating for it to be an official part of the Center on Medicaid and Medicare Services tools that they require to be used in hospice to evaluate outcomes. Very good, very good. What are your suggestions for educators? We started off talking about your research with students and the need for more African-American students to become interested in this area of medical social work, hospice social work. How can we, as educators, facilitate that? Okay, well, there's been an effort now for a number of years among social work educators to advocate for the importance of including material on end-of-life care in social work education. When I first became a hospice social worker in the late 80s, I had not been trained at all to do this job. And so that's one reason I went back to school to study it so I could try to contribute to the field and kind of develop some educational content. But at this point, there's a lot of high-quality educational content, but we still have to advocate for schools of social work to include that and make sure that that's part of what they provide for their students because their students will be faced with these issues with their clients with death and dying, and they need to be prepared to 
address them. And then, of course, there will be more and more need for hospice social workers. It's, we find that every year there are more hospices in the nation. The number of hospices has gone up to about 4,000 in America, and that's far more than when I was a hospice social worker. So there's more and more of a need for this. And specifically, it would address the problem we were talking about today if we let African-American social work students know about this problem and the specific need for hospice social workers, then it would help to address that problem of the lack of African-American staff in hospice. So it is kind of still a new field, and we still have to advocate for inclusion of this content in social work education. Okay. So we've talked about many things. Any last words, anything we haven't touched upon that you'd like to address? Just a couple thoughts about the term in the title, friendly face. In one study I did, I asked African-American pastors why there are very few African-American patients in hospice. And one reason shared was a concern that African-American patients have a friendly face to comfort them and share an understanding of cultural differences and fears. So that's how I came up with the idea, the term friendly face. I guess one question that arises is, can you show a hiring preference for African-American staff? Is that reverse discrimination? And of course, I personally do agree with affirmative action principles, but the going beyond that, if you were going to hire the most qualified staff member and you had a choice between highly qualified African-American professional and a highly qualified white professional, one qualification that you're looking at would be an understanding of the cultural differences and fears. And so the person who would understand that most deeply would be the African-American professional. I guess that would be my response to that question that might arise of how can we discriminate and focus more more on hiring African-American staff. I would say hire the most highly qualified. And you would find very often that an African-American person was most highly qualified, especially for the community outreach and direct service to African-American clients. Well, that's great. Well, Dr. Reese, thank you so much for taking the time out today to talk to us about your research on the African-American students and their interest in hospice, as well as African-American staff in hospice and how things need to change on that front. Well, thank you for inviting me. It was a pleasure. You have been listening to Dr. Donna Reese discussing her work to increase the number of African-American MSW students and professionals in the hospice setting and its potential for positive impact on the use of hospice by African-Americans. Thank you for listening. This is Charles Sims, your host, inviting you to join us again for In Social Work. Hi, I'm Nancy Smith, Professor and Dean of the University at Buffalo School of Social Work. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We look forward to your continued support of the series. For more information about who we are as a school, our history, our programs, and what we do, we invite you to visit our website at www.buffalo.edu.
www.socialwork.buffalo.edu.